listening to the Last Gen Podcast brought to you by Miracle Word Ministries. These episodes are specifically created with students in mind. More than ever before, we must know why we believe what we believe, build strong faith, and stay on fire for God. We know that Jesus is coming soon, and we're going to live like this is the last generation. Are you ready? Let's go. For today's Last Gen Podcast, we have a special guest with us. I'm excited, um, not because this guest is important in any way, but (laughs) because I feel like this is going to be um, an important topic and uh, something that will really help for every level of believer. Today we're talking about three major mistakes that baby Christians make. All right, so I'd like to introduce you to my guest, Mr. Zachary Ramsey. What's going on, man? I think this is going to be something that a lot of people who are newly saved could really benefit from because everyone always takes, uh, how do I want to say, not the standpoint, but everybody always gives the warnings to, to new Christians about all the things that they shouldn't do as far as like, you can't do this, you shouldn't, you know, like with sin regards mm-hmm. or things they shouldn't do. But I think there's things that we don't necessarily give any light to that lead them down a road where they may find themselves like discouraged because you learn very quickly that not all Christians, Christians, I don't know what I said like that, not all Christians believe mm-hmm. the same. No, they that, don't all feel the same. That's true. You know, so sometimes, and I've seen it happen, where people will get saved and they start really progressing in what God wants them to do, start mm-hmm. moving quickly. Yep. And all of a sudden they come to find out that like not everybody's meant to go where you're going. Not everybody's heading in the same direction. We all have specific calls that God has for us, but it doesn't necessarily mean that we're all heading towards the same, the same call, the same purpose. Like there has to be a certain level of, uh, what would I call it? Almost like a safeguard that you'd put in place between what God speaks to you and what you actually allow other people to hear. And I think that would be like a great first point is like, you don't necessarily have to share everything God shares with you with everybody. So that's the first point. Yeah, that, that's what I would put. Like the, I think that would be the most emphasis I would put on any of the points that we would talk about today is like you don't, have to, you don't have to tell everyone everything God tells you. Yeah, so this happens a lot, and I think you know, it's funny because you know, being in ministry, we, we see it all the time. Young people, and, and I'm by no means am I saying this is, this is wrong or, or, or anything, but young people who feel the tug into ministry, um, a lot of the times people my age, they'll get really on fire for God. They're really zealous for the Lord. And then, you know, they, like you said, they hear from the Lord what they're called to do. But then they just start, and it gets it gets annoying, to be honest with you. They just start spewing, like, everything. Like, yeah. Like, they're in, like you know, like, God, God, <laughs> someone told me, like, you know, God told me that I'm, I'm supposed to do the new Azusa. <laughs> He's like, he said, the, the you know, God said that the whole world's going to be saved through this ministry. <laughs> and I'm sitting there saying, like, but I, I hope so, you know? Yeah, it's it's almost like there's nothing wrong with being zealous right. for the things that God puts on your heart. Or even, you know, sometimes, especially when you're newly saved, I wouldn't be like, I wouldn't feel that God has nothing for you. Right. But I would also understand that there's going to be a point where, like, you start gaining revelation. Yep. And there's going to be a level of excitement. And not mm-hmm. that you should back off on anything that you feel to do for the Lord. Right. But I, I truly believe, you know, I, I was thinking about this the other day. If you think about, actually, we talked about it the other night when we had that conversation, me, you, Ralph, and Ted, mm-hmm. uh, where it was like, if you think of a pro sports player, mm-hmm. 
the only reason there, like if you look at the MLS or you look at any major sporting industry, right? Those people start from like a very young age and they give their entire life to that thing, right? So if you really think about that, and you think about how minuscule sports are in mm -hmm. comparison to the things of the kingdom, right? There really can't be that much that God's called you to do if you're going to do it to the full extent of what He wants you to get to do. Like He's not going to call you. You, you mean in scope? Yeah, he's not going to call you to like a buffet of things. Right. No, There has to be like a specific thing that God's got you to do because it's going to take a lifetime to accomplish yeah. that. I like what you said because the thing God's called you to do is a mile deep and an inch wide. Yeah. People have it the other way around. Sure. So when they feel, you know, like they, they get saved, they change their entire life, they change their friend group, and they start thinking, oh my gosh, I can use every... And I see this. People did dance before they got saved, you know, in school. It's like, how can I use dance to, you know, can I prophetically dance for yeah. the Lord? Use singing, like, I have to be on the worship team. You know, like, and, and they try to make everything that they've ever done, tr you know, like, they throw everything at it, when when in reality, that's just going to get you frustrated. Yeah. You should be going to a point. I, I also, if you don't know what God's called you to do, mm -hmm. then it's okay to kind of just help out where you see the need. Yeah. But I would say that it's dangerous to just go looking around your church for needs. Yeah. You should almost, like, when you first get saved, definitely whatever your your local church needs, help them. Mm -hmm. But I would urge any new believer, like, before anything, you really need to, once you're established, you really need to fast and pray and find what God wants you to do early. Yeah. Because just like in major sports, you know, it's not going to be beneficial to you, contrary to what a lot of people would teach today, to be like, well, I'll, I'll wait until I'm 30 to focus on what my ministry is. Mm -hmm. y you should be focusing on what God's called you to do now. Yeah. Not down the road, not in 20 years, but you need to focus on what God has for you now. Exactly. I, I mean, I stress that so, so, so much. Like, those who are connected to the last gen are probably are sick of hearing it, but that's the number one skill that any young person can develop is hearing the voice of the Lord and then following it. Because... You will end up, and it's a scary thought, but if you're if you're a uh, a non-starter, you know, false starter. If you're someone who's trying to do everything at once, if you're you're zealously, frantically running around for the kingdom, you're going to get to the point in your life where you're like 35 and you've accomplished nothing. Yeah, and that's the other thing that I would say is like, if you miss it, mm -hmm. just own it and right. miss it and move on. Yeah, I can't tell you how many people I've seen that will like push against the grain mm -hmm. for a long time, and then you wind up being burnout, you accomplish nothing, you get frustrated. There's nothing that'll cause you to not want to start into your purpose more than spending five years doing the wrong thing first. Yeah. Because there's nothing worse than getting five years into something and then realizing, I should have given up on this a long time ago. Right. I mean, that's that's what... I, and, and that's something that, like, I have a healthy fear, and I don't mean fear as in, like, you know, I've got, like, a fear, because God's not given us a spirit of fear, but a healthy fear of being outside of the will of God. And you should. You, yeah. you should you should be so afraid of that that place that that you will do you, you'll fail moving forward and not and not and not, you know, going backwards. Yeah. Because if you're outside of what God has for you, he has no responsibility to help you at all. Right. And I think that's that right there is probably one of the toughest things for even older Christians to swallow is like God doesn't really care how hard you work. I say that like it, in a twofold, he does, but only if you're working on what he wants you right, to. That's you a, can work extremely hard on the wrong thing, and he has no responsibility to even pay attention to it. Well, you think about it. Look at look at the sacrifice of Cain and Abel. 
Did Cain give a sacrifice? Yes. Right. So it, it cost him something. Did Abel give a sacrifice? Yes. But the sacrifice that Abel gave was the thing that God wanted him to give. Right. It was in the will of God. The sacrifice that Cain gave wasn't. So though he still sacrificed things, it, it amounted to nothing. Yeah. There's so many times where you see people that, and I mean, we've, we've seen them, where you'll meet them and they'll be like 20 years into ministry. Yep. Burnt. Yeah. And then you see other people like our pastor, right? Who's been doing this, and it's almost like it's the opposite of what you would think. It's right. like as time goes on, it gets more vibrant. It's true. And it's, it's true because it's like doing what God's called you to do literally gives you life back. That's right. It, it gives you your time back. It gives you your youth back. It gives you energy. Seeing that growing up um, is what caused me to be drawn towards Pastor Ted's ministry. My, my uncle, not not because he is my uncle. You know, if 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 he was like other ministers and like, you know, just, uh, leading a dead ministry, there would be nothing to draw me there, but just seeing this, this mundane, like the mundane ministry, like really just, it irks me. It, it irks me so much because you read the book of Acts and then you look at the ministry. It's like, good Lord. Like, how do you not jump off a building every day? Yeah. Like, sorry, but I mean, it's true. Um, so to summarize the first point, number one, find out what God's called you to do. Do only that, and don't tell everybody. Yeah. It, it, you'll be amazed how many times you will hear from God on what you're supposed to do, and you start telling people, and they're like, well, yeah, you, be, you better take it easy, brother. But what people don't understand is, like, Billy Graham wasn't anybody before he started. Right. Lester Summerall wasn't anybody before he started. So you, you would almost hear some pastors today, and mm-hmm. you'd be like, who can do it? Right. Who is God calling? I understand God's not calling everybody to shake the entire nation. Right. But you talk to some pastors and you think no one is called to shake the nation. Right. So it's like look at you, little Billy Graham, trying to be, you know, trying to be someone. Well, you gotta use wisdom, brother. Take it slow, you know. And it's like, no, like, how slow would you like me to take it? People are going to hell. How slow would you like me to go? There are Christians who who really don't care if you become anything. They actually are convicted by your level of uh of vigor and being on fire because sure. they're not like that anymore. Mm-hmm. And so their goal is, I'm going to tear them back down to where I am. Yeah. It, <laughs> people will literally, I, I've heard this, and people will say this. They'll be like, well, I know you're on fire now, and I know it seems exciting because right. it's new, but there'll come a time where it gets to be working. It's like, just because your fire burned out doesn't right. mean mine has to. Right. That's exactly I right. I can run this hot for the rest of my life. And if you don't believe me, look at every other man that's done mighty exploits for God. They were more passionate at the end of their life, That's not right. less. That's right. It doesn't have to burn out. It doesn't have to... You don't have to back off the throttle. That would kind of lead me to the next thought that I had, which is that... And this is like... This is big in, in our generation, too, is like, whatever God's called you to do, mm-hmm. trust Him and Him alone in that thing. Mm-hmm. What do you kind of think that looks like? Because... I understand. I, we use a lot of min- I use a lot of ministry analogies, and I try not to because I, I know that a very small percentage of people are in the ministry, uh, full time. You know, we're all in the ministry. Yes, we are, but full time. There's a very small percentage of people, so I try to think of like real world, real world um, analogies. But what what would you say in like an like like think of the young person watching, a seventeen, you know, in, in junior year of high school, God's called them to do whatever, you know, like we don't know, but. What would that look like to them, trusting God alone? People look at these, like, in different camps. 
But the reality is, like, whether it's financial, whether it's healing, whether it's salvation, they're all they're all miracles. Mm-hmm. So if he can perform any act in the miraculous, mm-hmm. then he can do every act in the miraculous. And I'm not saying that there won't be times where your your faith will be tried, mm-hmm. and you'll think like, "Man, this is the biggest thing I've ever believed for. I've never stepped out and done anything like this before." We have to understand that when we think like that, God doesn't see things through that same scope. You know, like he, it, what we think is the biggest thing we've ever done, right. He doesn't even pay attention to. Yeah, because like in the grand scheme of what He's called you to, th- it's nothing. Right. It's so small. So, what do you think is on this point? What do you think is the the big mistake that that baby Christians make on this point? I think that young Christians get zealous. Yep. And then they realize, and it's a contention point because it's the world we live in. They realize that no matter what it is God's called them to do, it's going to take money. Money. And it's always money. Yeah. Because you can have passion for free. It's true. You can do anything that doesn't cost money without getting other people involved. That is true. It, when people say, you know, like, money doesn't really matter. Um, well, you know, you think about it. Yeah. Anything that you, anything that will make any impact in life mm-hmm. requires an, an, a massive amount of money. It's funny because it's always, there's always a level that you can hit where, like, you can believe God, you can believe God, you can believe God, but then everybody has, and it's different for every person, but they'll hit a level where it's like, mm, I, this is big. You know, like, I understand we have a big God, and you start hearing things mm-hmm. like that where people go, I know we got a big God, but this is going to take a big, and it's like, it does anything that's inside of this world is so small. And you can see it in Mark 8. Mm-hmm. I, I've used this example before in Mark 8, 16, where the disciples are on the boat with Jesus, and they're talking, they're arguing because they didn't bring any bread. Mm-hmm. And Jesus comes out, and he's like, why are you arguing in layman's terms? Why are you even discussing this? Mm-hmm. Did you not see me feed the 5,000? Right. Did you not see me feed the 4,000? Mm-hmm. Now you fools are arguing because you didn't bring bread. Right. He, he's basically saying to them, I've already done this. Yeah. You've already seen me perform the miracle that you're concerned about right now. Right. So whatever it is that you're believing God for, whatever it is that God's called you to do, mm-hmm. he has way more than necessary to accomplish that. Yeah. So don't get caught up in these Christian fads of like leaning on the arms of men. Yeah. Don't get caught up relying on people. There's something that I that irritates me more than anything and it's like when somebody goes uh you know, I feel that God's called me to do this. Right. So if you just like to bless me. <laughs> and it's like no. So I don't want to bless now you. Now that we're on the topic of of money because if if we're to boil it down and I know like this is like the most impossible podcast to take notes on right now. But so the the first point is, um, don't cast your pearls before swine. Mm-hmm. Right. Second point is the the second thing that new believers make or baby believers make is that, and we'll, we'll let's just boil it down to finances because it really is, uh, an inability to trust God with finances. Yeah. Okay. And and I know what you're getting at. You just mentioned the thing that you know young people. And, and again, this happens with ministers, but it also happens with, with Christians. And it's no one, like, it, if you've done this and you're watching this, I have not a single person in mind mm-hmm. because I've seen so many people do yep. it. Yep. It doesn't, it's, it's not even like, you may do it and you, it may be like something that you just thought like, you're not doing it in the wrong heart. You're like, I, I just want to do what God's called me to do and I don't know how else people would know to give. Right. But what you have to understand is like, God knows how to get you what you need. Right. So the thing you're talking about is uh, when when people, you know, I'm going on this missions trip and it's yeah. going to cost uh, 
$2,500. You know, I'm, 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 we're believing God for a miracle. These are the ways to give to me. Um, could you just pray for me that the money would come in? And the yeah. thing is like, you don't want prayer. Never have the idea that you're fundraising for money. God's, God's kingdom doesn't work on fundraising. Yeah, you're not a charity. Right. And it's not a donation. Right. You, it's the law of sowing and reaping. So, yes, make people, uh, like, have everything available. Have Cash App. Have Venmo. If you don't have these things and expect, you know, you know God, just, just bless me. He, he uses people. Right. So, have, have Cash App. Have Venmo. You know, have PayPal. Have everything available that you can have. Obviously, you know, the only response to that you're going to get is sowing seed. That's the only way that harvests come. But don't present the need. Present the vision. If, if, you're, if you're taking an offering, let's just say, pre- present the vision. And then this is what Paul did. He always talked about uh, people's, like, I'm not, I'm not saying this because I'm in need, but I, I'm, I'm excited for the thing that's coming to your account, mm-hmm. right? So he presented the vision of sowing and reaping. But... The key being, it's never a fundraiser. You're never begging for money. You're never, you know, asking for donations. Right. And that's the big thing that people do. And that's what causes people to think, you know, like, I, I don't know. God, God's not going to fund my startup that, that he called me to do. I, I just need, I need Christians around the church to help me. And could you, you know, could you start a prayer chain for me and help me? Um, but, but you have to understand if God called you to do it, he will provide. It's that simple. Yeah. So the number one thing. Don't cast your pearls before swine. Number two, what would you summarize that? Trust God with your money. Yeah, trust God with every dollar that you need. And then number three. Number three, and I know that this might be a little bit of a continuation from last week, but I would say avoid the current culture like the plague. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is this. There is a major trend right now. And it almost seems like you would have to do this. I've learned everything in the kingdom is almost the opposite of what you would think it is. But the culture right now is be lighthearted towards sin Mm -hmm. as to not offend the people that are in sin so you don't close yourself off to being able to minister to them. Right. But the reality is you have to have a staunch line Mm -hmm. that, like, this is sin. Yep. I can't cross it. I can't change it. Right. It can't be moved. I can't pick it up and adjust it from where it was set. Mm-hmm. God knows better than I know. Yep. God set these things in place. That's right. And it's funny, I had somebody ask me. They said, So you're telling me that you would serve a God or you do serve a God that will send you to hell if you don't serve him. And before I answered, I kind of this thought like came to my head and I thought, even if God was a dictator, mm-hmm. And he was like, you will serve me or you will burn in hell. Yeah. It would still be worth it. <laughs> yeah. There would have to be no benefit. And, and don't don't get me wrong. There is innumerable benefits here on earth. Right. But there would have to be no benefit. Yeah. For, and the scales would still be tipped so heavy in God's favor mm-hmm. that it's not even a conversation to be had. Right. So people can take whatever viewpoint they want on, well, I wouldn't serve God because of this and I wouldn't serve God because of that. But. The scales are tipped so hard in his favor, there's nothing that could ever make it worth it to not serve him. Right. And what, what new believers do is because, like we talked about in the first point, they get on fire, and so they've got this. They understand the Great Commission. The goal here is to reach as many people as possible. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's, they understand that. And so then they take the heavenly mandate of the Great Commission, and they say, all right, now how is that going to be possible? Well, if I'm going to reach the most people that possible, 
I'm going to need to relate to the most people possible. Right. And so in order to do that, I need to have the mindset of the most people as possible. Right. And that right there, you've taken the heavily mandate and put man's man's uh, viewpoint on it. Sure. Because the viewpoint is, well, if I can relate to them where they're at and I can, you know, and I can relate to their sin and what they're going through and say, you know, I'm not going to judge you for your sin. God's not going to judge you for your sin. Then the mindset is, oh, th- then they're going to, you know, then they're going to see my point of view. And, right. And, and you're losing your own, uh, you're, you're losing your own values in order to reach people. And people, you know, people use the verse, you know, I become all things to all men. Yeah, that doesn't mean sin like all men. <laughs> right, yeah. But you have to understand that, like, whoever bows first loses. Yeah, that's true. It doesn't matter what you're looking at. If you bow first, you lose. That's right. So if you start wavering on where you stand on anything the Bible calls sin, it doesn't even matter. People have to realize this. It doesn't matter how you feel about it. Yeah. Because the Bible doesn't care how you feel about that sin. That's exactly right. Because what happens, and you see it with, this is not just a new believer thing. Mm-hmm. You see this with older ministers. Yeah. You see this with people that have been in ministry for a long time. You see this with middle-aged people. It happens everywhere. Where at, they will take a strong stand on sin mm-hmm. until someone they love enters into it. Right. And then it's, well... Yeah. You know, some of us. How many know that we're all a work in progress? Right. I mean, no one's perfect, just Jesus. And it's right. like, no, actually, right. we're called to be perfect. Right. I like what you said that that the, the the one who you said the one who bows. The one who bows first loses. What's the old sales the old sales addict uh the one adage. who talks first loses. The one who talks first loses. So, he's been you've been in sales yeah. how many years? Uh I was 10, 11 years I was in sales. 10, 11 years. Okay, so I did sales for one year, so obviously I am also an expert at this. Um, but it's very true. What what happens is, and this relates to, to, to winning people to Jesus very well. When you present the number, because it all comes down to the number, what's it going to cost me? Whether you're, you know, you're selling insurance, you're selling whatever. Like, like me, I sold security cameras. So people don't care about anything until it comes down to the number. Once you present your number... Let's say you think it's high as the salesperson to the one you're selling. I think they're not going to go for this. So in your mind, you're like, all right, I'm going to put this number out on the table. It's it's going to be $2,500. And then your instant reaction is, oh, my gosh, what are they thinking about it? Are right. they, Is it too high? Now I need to talk. And, and the reason this isn't that bad of a price is because, you know, see if you break it, you've already lost. Right. There was three things I used to tell everybody that worked for me. Yeah. I used to tell them, once you've presented your case, yeah. we'll, it's I used to say numbers, but for this we'll say once you yeah. presented your case, anything that you say after that right. to support that seems disingenuous because it's never said in the same connotation. It's mm-hmm. always said in a place from from seeming frantic, right? Because like oh my god, I want to do it right now. I'm gonna right. lose them. The other thing that I used to tell people is this: people would run into that where I did, you know, in the car business. It would be like. Well, I think it's too much. They're not going to take it. Right. And when you look at that in the light of what we're doing now, how much do you believe what you're telling people? That's right. Because uh, the only th- the only reason you think it's too much, is, or the only reason you're nervous about it, is because you think it's too much. Right. So if you're let's, nervous let's, about sharing the gospel, right. Do so you let's think it doesn't work. Let's take it down the sip. So let's say I'm selling security cameras. If I believe in these security cameras, I think these are the best security cameras. They they stop crime. You know, these are the, these are worth anything. Yeah. And I'm giving you t- for this price. That's a cheap price. No matter what it is. If I believe that, then I can confidently say, yeah, it's gonna be and it's gonna be four thousand dollars for that one camera. You know what's funny is when I used to be in sales, I used to tell everyone that worked for me. Yeah. The reality is. 
they can buy it from us here, mm -hmm. or they can go to the next place and the next place and the next place. Everyone is going to be in the same wheelhouse for price. Right. There's just going to be one small change that they make that may seem them make seem them or make them seem more or less appealing. Right. With what you're doing with sharing the gospel, there's nothing even close. Like you right. don't have another competitor right. that's, that's even close in comparison. That's right. What else would people look at? It's like imagine if you were selling security cameras and you were like, mm -hmm. well, you could go with this company for two thousand, mm -hmm. you could go with this company for five thousand, or you could go with this company where I've already paid the whole bill for it and you can just have the cameras. Yeah. It's not even close. Right. Exactly. So it's like when you present the gospel to people, it's like you can live in anxiety and depression, mm -hmm. you can live in fear, you can live in poverty, yeah. Or you can live free and light. Yeah. Which would you like? And so have you ever like You've watched some of the greatest evangelists like like I have, Dr. Reinhard Bonnke. Have you ever watched Dr. Reinhard Bonnke give a salvation altar call, call 1.1 million people to Jesus, but right as he's calling, you need to come to Jesus. But then as they're coming, he's like, but the issue of homosexuality, let me explain it for a second. So, yeah. you know, God, he hates the sin, but he loves the sinner. Starts backing you know. it up. Like, I know some of you are probably thinking on your way up here that and so here's they the don't thing. care. And, and many Christian, young Christians, they are so, their their heart, is there. They want to win people, but they think that the God, and, and it really is a deep-rooted misunderstanding and sometimes pride where they think the, the Bible may be flawed and I have to make a defense for the Bible. I have to defend, well, actually, you know, like we're not super sure about that. Some people say that, right, you don't think, it's you, a, you don't believe in what you're saying. It's a dangerous place to find yourself where you believe that your explanation yeah. is going to do a better job than the Holy Spirit's conviction. Exactly right. To think that your voice holds more weight than God's is a dangerous place to be. That's right. Because what will happen is the devil will actually let you get into a place where you may see some success in that. Yeah. Because it would be dangerous. Because then you'll start wandering off on the, like, what happens then if you hold your voice in higher esteem than God's when something does hit your household like that? Mm -hmm. Like, say you preach like that. Mm -hmm. Say you act like that. Your voice is higher than the voice of God. Yeah. You create a defense for the Bible that it can't create for itself. Right. What do you do then when later on in life you have kids and one of them says they're gay? Right. Then do you start creating this pocket religion where right. it's like, well, you know, everyone, I've worked so hard, I've seen so many people say God will overlook this. Right. You know, or whatever you come up with. Right. You, people have to understand this is the ultimate authority. Mm -hmm. This is the final say. Mm -hmm. It's not a negotiation. Right. It's not a court hearing. Right. This is law. Right. And so it's the opposite of what people think. So they think if I, if I, if I present the gospel, the, the true gospel where people, you're saying that everyone has to has to get rid of all of their sin to to be saved. Yes, yeah. like, but people think that's such a hard saying that if I just say that the dead between the dead silence, people think, oh, that's that's crazy. But right. you don't even realize, like, on the other side of it. Let's say that you're you're a Christian. I'm a sinner. I'm living in deep sin and depression, anxiety. You know, like all of these things, and you present the gospel to me. You think it's it's like, oh, he's never going to go for it. But in my mind, I'm thinking, this is the greatest news I've ever heard. But yeah. then you go, well, you know, the, some of the things in the Bible, then I'm like, oh, he, if he doesn't believe in it that right. much, you know, like, why should I? Yeah, that's, the, that's a funny thought. Most people that would back off on being staunch with sin are so separated from it, they don't understand that, by and large... The people engulfed in sin mm -hmm. don't want to be there. Right, that's it's true. Not, they've not found themselves in a place of of pleasure with it anymore. Right. So chances are the people that are in sin that you're ministering to, mm -hmm. 
you have to look at it to it twofold. A, if you're ministering in a church setting, mm-hmm. they're there for a reason. Yeah. I used to say that in sales all the time. When people come in and they look to, to buy a car. Yeah. You know, the, people they come can, in and they be like, oh, I'm just looking. It's like, well, we don't sell sandwiches here. So right, we're only yeah. here for one thing. Right, exactly. It's the same thing in church. Yeah. There's only one thing that happens in this building. Right. And they we can get play, you saved. They can play hardball all they want. Was like, right. no, 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 I'm not actually looking for it. Yeah, like, but you came. Yeah. So you're here. Right. The second thing is, if you're ministering to people in the street or in public, mm-hmm. you have to trust that God's setting up these interactions. Right. That God's going to soften people's heart. He's right. going to give you the opportunity to say what people need to hear. Because mm-hmm. that that's the thing. I would say that even that hot button of homosexuality that happens right now, you start talking to most of those people about Jesus, and they break down. It's true. Because they know. Right. People don't understand, but it's not like the gospel's this mystery. Right. Like, it's encoded in us. That's exactly right. To know that these things aren't right. That's exactly right. He's written his law on on men's hearts, and that's true. People people know that they're sinning, and and people have no excuse. Mm -hmm. Because, you know... Why is it that uh, homosexuals o- and the LGBT community only goes after one religion? Right. When's the last time you've seen a protest outside of a mosque? Yeah, and I don't want to just be—I I don't want to just hone in on that stuff. Right. Because there's like—you look at all this other stuff, all these other uh, forms of sin that y- mm-hmm. you can enter into. All of them mm-hmm. are almost being— facilitated or amplified by the world now. It used to be, back when I was a, a, a kid and, you know, even before that, where it was like sin was tolerated. Mm-hmm. Now it's being perpetuated. Mm-hmm. Now it's being pushed. It used to yep. be that, like, if you were an alcoholic, mm-hmm. you would be tolerated by society. Right. They'd be like, well, that's just how so-and-so is. You know yeah. I mean? He's just drunk all the time. We yeah. just, you know, whatever. Now, every other TV commercial, yeah. the most expensive Super Bowl ads... Now it's not cool unless you're going to the club on Friday night. It's not right. tolerated anymore. It's it's celebrated right. that like it's cool to be an alcoholic and to be yeah. online and showing everybody how drunk you get every yeah. day. Same thing with drugs. It, you can't tell me that a government that's setting up safe zones mm-hmm. to be able to do drugs in isn't yeah. celebrating you doing drugs. But you have to understand that when it comes to sin, yeah, it's that's the end. It's yeah. the final say. And the reason people don't like it and the reason people don't like to hear the gospel is because if you if God is real mm-hmm. and hell is real mm-hmm. and the Bible is true, mm-hmm. that means that as humans, we have to accept that we are in error. Right. Because if you can't accept that you have been or are currently in error, mm-hmm. then you can't move forward in anything else God wants. That's the first step. You have to say, I have been wrong. Right. This whole time. Yeah. The way I've been living. The way I've been thinking, the way I've been acting is in error and mm-hmm. contradiction to how I should be living. That's right. And until you understand that, and you won't if the people that God puts in front of you bend on it. That's right. It's impossible. You can never lead somebody to Christ if they are in sin and you tell them, well, don't worry about that right now. Right. All you got to worry about, just say the prayer, worry about the sin later. No, worry yeah. about the sin now. Yeah. Worry about the sin first. That's right. That's right. So number one. Let's recap the points. Number one, don't cast your pearls before swine. Number two, trust God in your finances. And number three, take a hard line on sin. Right. Take and a hard stance. That's right. And these are the remedies to the three um, biggest mistakes that baby Christians make. Um, thanks so much to everyone that watched on YouTube or listened on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Listen, if you haven't already, check out the library of over 50. <laughs> I said in the last podcast we had 100. <laughs> we had 100 by episodes. Faith. And then, yeah, by faith. 
also lying. And then Zach was like, you just lied to them. He's <laughs> like, what? Yeah, we, we have over over 50 or 60 podcasts. Go check them all out um, and, and dive into this thing. Really dive into this thing. We're going to be more active on um, the last gen. We did just launch a church, so have some grace. Uh, and we're going to be more active on this. Can't wait for in-person services if you're in West Palm Beach. But I love you, and we'll see you next week. Thank you.